Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Bake With Legend offer fans of the Great British Bake Off the chance to bake alongside their favourite stars from the show. If you're planning a special birthday, a hen party, or perhaps in charge of your next work social, why not get in touch with us to discuss arranging an event for you? We also offer Bake With Legend at home, where one of our Bake Off alumni can come and lead a baking class in your own accommodation. Just imagine that, Howard or Jane coming round and teaching you afternoon tea. For more information, visit bakewithlegend.com or email info at bakewithlegend.com. You know when you've when you've spent all those hours in the tent and they've been recording you, and then they they basically dismiss all the work that you've put in in order to go off to somewhere Malta or whatever and and look at a a sort of bit of pastry in the shape of a cross or something. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, no. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bake Down podcast, reviewing what was dessert week in the, the Bake Off 10. As ever, I'm joined by Howard Middleton and Jane Beadle, former Bake Off contestants, and uh, delighted to see them for what is always a staple, I would like to say, of, of Bake Off. We love dessert week. And thank you so much for all of you that have been listening to the podcast, really overwhelmed with your, your kind reviews. This one was left by someone called Paul B on Apple Podcasts. What a brilliant podcast. Great idea to have two of my favourite ever contestants alongside Josh. Uh, my favourite podcast moment today was in episode one when Howard was asked if he brought his own eggs to the tent and confirmed he doesn't have a chicken in his tower block. <laughs> uh, keep up the good work. Howard, just to uh, make sure, I know a month has passed, but you still don't have any chickens. I don't, no. Okay. Still not there, no. Uh, <laughs> Jane, have you uh, you thought about adopting some chickens in the last month? No, I haven't, but I have secretly bought one for Howard for Christmas. Oh, oh. oh so that's a little gift to heads up for you in a, in a couple of months' time. Well, yeah, thank you. Keep telling people that we're here. Share the pod. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, as many people have done, it's uh, thebakedown at bakewithlegend.com, or you can tweet us at bake with a legend Um, many people have been getting in touch and one of those was Shane O'Reilly and the question or really a statement maybe that that Shane wants to raise is to say that I really miss the historical factual moment of Bake Off when Meryl Sue would go off site and met someone who taught us all about the origins of some random loaf or a biscuit or a pie it was the moment of relief in the Bake Off ritual so um, Shane wants to know Jane do you miss that part of the show Shane, really funny you should ask that because I was thinking about that just yesterday. I do miss that. It just gives that bit of context to some of the bakes. Um, I don't suppose they've got time for it now with all the adverts because already it runs over to an hour and a quarter. That's a very good point. I think the adverts take up that bit. But, yeah, I miss it just as much as you, Shane, and I think I'd really like to know a bit more of the backstory from some of these bakes. Howard, are you are you are you are you okay without the? Well, I don't miss it at all. <laughs> Do you know, I, I I can't. I shouldn't say I hated it, but I, I it used to infuriate me. You know, when you've when you've spent all those hours in the tent and they've been recording you, 
and then they they basically dismiss all the work that you've put in in order to go off to somewhere Malta or whatever and and look at a a sort of bit of pastry in the shape of a cross or something. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. No. It felt a little bit like a cookery travel programme at times when you'd get the odd sort of Mel and Sue going, jetting off, as you say, somewhere around Europe to find out more information. But it's like, you know, it's supposed to be about us. So. Oh my goodness, he's such a diva, isn't it? Howard's thinking. Don't I want go my... and look at the history of this bake. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> Howard wanted more uh, screen time. Well, there you go, Shane. Uh, the answer is Howard does not miss it, seemingly, and, and Jane does. So we're, we're split here. Uh, Tammy's been in touch. Tammy Lincoln. Howard, is it true you're related to Kate Middleton? <laughs> and what cake would you make for her if you uh, if you did meet her? Where did this rumour come from? They are related. There's a problem with the internet these days. Really? I don't think it's true. I mean, it's one of those things like, you know, my mum might say, oh, yes, we never got invited to the wedding and all things like that. (laughs) No, I'm pretty sure we're not really. I love the idea that one day they will get Kate Middleton on who do you think you are and they will uh, find upon her all her relatives and they will come and say, well, look, actually, your third cousin or whatever it might be, is former Bake Off star Howard Milton, and they can arrange a sort of meet-up of the two of you. And she comes round to our flat and brings me a chicken. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's all come full circle. Yes. Kate Middleton bringing Howard, bringing Howard a chicken, not even for Christmas, just for no. popping around for tea. Well, you can confirm you're not related. Um, no, I'm not related. Not related. To well, not not officially. It could be the wrong side of the bed sheet. I don't think she. She probably it. looks as if I, I don't think she. I think we, it would need to be a, a kind of pretty healthy cake because I think she probably keeps an eye on on uh, on her weight and so on. Her figure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, you go to cake. town. Keto cake. <laughs> You'd go to town if if it, if oh, you yes. were making for yeah. the. I'd love to do. Okay. Um, well, we've also been asking you throughout the uh, podcast series to tell us your stories about meeting uh, a Bake Off star. So self-raising selfies, we've called this segment of the show. And this one concerns you, actually, Jane. Uh, Lauren Hudson uh, has been in touch with us and she says, just after Jane's series finished in October 2016, I saw there was a book signing at Waterstones in Birmingham. We'll stop there. Do you think you remember this? Do you remember going to Waterstones, Birmingham? Oh, I definitely remember going to Waterstones, Birmingham. Okay, fantastic. So Lauren says, I was travelling from Wolverhampton. I just boarded my train when I realised I'd forgotten my Victoria sponge that I had made especially for them all to try. So this presumably was you, Candice and Andrew, the three finalists. Um, I jumped off at the next stop, went back overall, spent an extra hour just to get my cake. When I finally got to the front of a queue, you all kindly signed my book and then we all posed with my cake. Candice did look the most excited about it, if I remember. Um, you didn't... <laughs> You didn't eat it in front of me. I've never known whether you ever tasted it, and I'd like some feedback, please. So we're about three years on, October 2016. <laughs> Jane, Lauren wants to know, did you try her Victoria sponge, and why was Candice so much more excited about it than you? Well, I'm not sure why Candice would have been more excited about it. I mean, we all love cake. I think I've just got one of those faces that looks miserable sometimes, I think. <laughs> I won't tell you what my children call my resting face, but it's not very complimentary. Uh, well, in, I don't remember the cake specifically but I'm really really grateful that you went back and got it but I can tell you Lauren we did taste all of the cakes that we were given when when we went back backstage so to speak back of the shop um we all had a cup of tea and tasted all of it so and I don't remember anything being bad but equally three years on I don't remember any specifics but had, had people been asked to bring a cake then no, to the pe- book signing? No, or? people hadn't, but yeah. some people very kindly did. We did a lot of book signings immediately after the final. Somebody brought gingerbread in the shape of us with the right colour hair and wow. things like that, which was very sweet. People brought us some lovely cakes and went to the trouble. And, and Lauren clearly had gone home and come back again. So I'm really grateful, but it- sorry, I don't remember Lauren. You're very kind, Jane. I can't imagine you being critical. If someone's turned up with their cake at a book signing, I can't imagine you giving any negative feedback because it's a, it's a very difficult environment. I'd almost be tempted to turn up. Maybe I'll go and do it now if, uh, you know, we'll see how this year's winners <laughs> get on. I might go and take the most dreadful cake, insist that they have a taste in front of me just to see the reaction. It'd be tempting. You must occasionally get asked to try things that aren't that all that great. Is that, is that, is that, is that fair? 
generally no no generally bakes are pretty good um but they're given to you either in competition situations or something like a book signing um and if you were given it by a random stranger completely unsolicited i think i would treat it very warily but if you've been to brownie bake-offs when not even brown owl would taste the bakes and you've had to taste everything you know frankly I have a very strong stomach. I can I can swallow most things. Howard, yeah. I want some memories. I'm sure the listeners do of, of when you've been asked to try something from a member of the public and you, you weren't too sure about it. Oh, I, do you know when I, I, I was fortunate the following year after I'd been on Bake Off, I was on Extra Slice on the panel a few times. And really? we were warned. Yeah, we were warned that somebody had brought this cake and they were these, I remember these three uh, guys, I think they were students, and they were laughing very much about this cake that they brought along. And we were sort of thinking, what have they put in this cake? <laughs> so you, you, they, they did say, don't eat it because they're, they're laughing too much. Um, so we didn't eat that. But I have been to, again, some wonderful kind of children's uh, baking. <laughs> competition yes and i remember one particular one in manchester and i thought oh this this looks lovely like a sort of little chocolate bun and then i realized it wasn't chocolate it was just really badly burned <laughs> so <laughs> i think i think I, i've made a rule since then that if you actually cannot get the spoon or fork into it you know you just say thank you but i think i'll leave that I look forward to uh, to going down to Waterstones. If anyone wants to join me, just get in touch. Uh, the bake down at bakewithlegend.com. We can take the worst cakes uh, that we can try and just see uh, what the reaction of uh, the Bake Off stars is. I'm sure that there will be uh, book signings at Waterstones all over the country when we finally know who the finalists were and who the winner was in uh, in a few weeks' time. So we look forward to that. Is there a book accompanying this series? Because there wasn't the first year after after me. So Series 8, there wasn't a book. No, there was a book last year. Mm. I haven't seen one publicised yet. That's true. I might be jumping the gun here. Don't go to Waterstones without checking. <laughs> Don't just turn up at your local Waterstones in uh, a few days after Bake Off ends and demand that there's a book signing because there, there may not be. Time to talk about dessert week. And just just before I do, I want to talk about maybe the mentality of getting to week six, uh, Jane and Howard. And Howard, I know you you left on week six, but did you feel going into it, you just want to almost get get to the second half of the show. That that is an achievement to sort of be there for the the second half of, of Bake Off. Do you feel like that, Howard, when you're week six, or you're so in the in the realms of just getting through week by week, you didn't really notice it was week six? I think I think it is. I, I mean, I think every week that you get through, I, I think it's an achievement. I think it's great when you get past the first week because I think you, you think, wow, you know, I didn't go first week. That's great. Uh, but yeah, a, a, every week you are sort of looking at how it might be in terms of milestones. As, as I say, in our year we had. Uh, 13 bakers to begin with and it was a, a double um, elimination one week so the fact that I wasn't one of the ones that went when it was a, a double elimination was was a bonus yeah getting past the halfway mark it is a bonus but I also remember the week that I did go just being absolutely exhausted just so you know this part of you that thinks this is so tiring you know actually um, doing the filming we, we did ours mainly at the weekend and then working in the week and trying to find time to practice and so on. And by the time you get to week six, I was just absolutely shattered. So there was part of me that thought when they said my name, what a relief, you I, know. I but at the same time, you think, actually, I would love to be back next week. You know, it's 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 a bittersweet experience, really. Yeah, I can I can imagine sort of it, it wears you down almost by the weeks. Um, Howard, a, a lot of people will remember you for a famous moment in the the Bake Off tent, and that came in your dessert week, didn't it? During your signature, the, this caramel and apple trifle. I don't know if you're aware of this, but on you know Wikipedia has all the information about the previous Bake Off series. So if you ever you need to to look something up as a as a listener or want to remember something, but there's very few asterisks. On the on Wikipedia's Bake Off pages, but there is one, of course, um, <laughs> next to your name, 
And it says, in this challenge, Deborah accidentally used Howard's custard. As a result, Howard used De- Deborah's custard in his trifle. This switch was revealed to Paul and Mary, who appropriately judged their custard separately in their respective trifles. The incident was dubbed Custard Gate by the press. <laughs> now, firstly, is that a fair asterisk? Are you, are you happy with how, how it's been, sort of history has, has played this out? Yeah, I love the fact I've got an asterisk. <laughs> not, yeah. <laughs> well, not many people do. Yeah. Well, you, th- this is this is probably the most me- one of the most memorable moments ever in the tent. Never mind your series. Never mind you. This was a, this was an iconic moment of Bake Off. I know, and how weird that 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 happens in that way. Just a little accident, you know, somebody accidentally using the wrong custard. It, I mean, it's it, it's absolutely you know, it's it's a gift, isn't it, for for them in terms of TV. So. Well, it's true. You kind of think, well, you know, what what can possibly happen in in the show? And of course, someone getting a, a mix up like that yeah. um, was was you know all they could ask for. And if I remember right, did Deborah go that week? Yes, she did. Yeah. Yes. You know, it it was quite sad in some respects because Deborah had been one of the people who uh, I think I said in previous weeks about drinking partners, and she she'd sort of had a drink uh, late at night. Um, so we'd we'd got on well. Yeah. Um, and it was it was just pure, I suppose, happenstance that that we happened to be sharing a, a, a fridge that week. Yeah. When was the last time you saw Deborah? Oh, I saw her. Um, I've I've not seen her for a couple of years now, actually. But I remember her coming to along to uh, a demo that I was doing at a food festival, and she was there, and I sort of pointed her out. I said, "That's that woman." <laughs> <laughs> No, it was all in good, all in good, good spirits. I like the idea that she wasn't chased out. No, (laughs) I said I'm not carrying on until she leaves. Jane, your 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 memories of uh, Dzerwick. I'm just looking back to to what you had. Your signature that week had been a chocolate and hazelnut roulade. The technical uh, marjolaine. Am I pronouncing that right? Yes, something like that. Yes. And then your showstopper was 24 mini moose cake. Oh yes, that was a hard old week. Uh, But actually, it was my favourite week in the tent. How was it? I, it was. I had such fun. I had such a laugh making those mini moose cakes. Um, but interestingly, Howard and I were talking about this earlier. Um, as a contestant, you're not really aware of how much danger you're in or, you know, whether the judges consider you to be in danger. And I thought I had pretty good signature and technical. And it was only when I watched it back or when I, it was aired, that I realised that I was on the danger list. Mm. Now, my roulard, I ruled. <laughs> Can you say that? I rolled the wrong way. I ruled it along the long edge rather than from the short edge, so it didn't have quite so much roll. But actually, it was a, it was a bloody good roulard. Mm. And the margarine, I, I, it's a, they're fiddly little things, well, big things. Um, and I thought I'd, I didn't, I didn't think I did that badly. I came fourth, so I wasn't quite sure why I was in danger. But I, yeah, I really loved it. I love making those mooses. And, you know, I forget to say this now, years down the line, mine were proper mooses. They had mm. bubbles in and were moose-like. Yeah. Um, whereas Andrew, who I think got Star Baker that week, not that I hold a grudge. He did. I've got it in front Ooh. of me. He got Star Baker that week and they were not mooses. Actually, he did, he did a sunny job. They did taste delicious. And he's been promised me one of his recipes for three years and he's never let me have it. Um, <laughs> we'll put pressure on him. We'll start a campaign. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, um, give me your mint mousse. Well, of course, we can, you can recipe. watch it all back. Fantastic. So if you do want to remember... Too painful, Josh. Jane, I can't no, well, I was talking to the, the general <laughs> listeners. Like, I, I wasn't just a uni. I'm sure you've, uh, you've you've watched it back. Although, um, yeah, I'm just looking at it. It was Tom who, who left in that week. Um, I know. My back. lovely Tom. I adore Tom. Well, look, let's let's talk about the week that was in the tent. Just there were two sort of observations uh, made before we even got going in this week's episode. David said he was terrified of dessert week. <laughs> Howard, you ever been terrified of a dessert week? Uh, what do you were you surprised no, to see it terrified? I think, I, again, we've I think we've spoken about this before. It's like they do they have watched Bake Off before, haven't they? They sort of know there might be a dessert week. Yeah. Well, it's, it's people who've got, I think it was, um, was it Alice who said that she got bread dread or Michael? Somebody had got bread dread. Yeah, I can't remember uh, which one, but, yeah, but they seemed it, to be frightened of bread, didn't they? Yeah. So it's like, please don't be frightened of baking <laughs> yes. if you're on the Great British Bake Off. 
Absolutely. And, and Rosie had said that she, she doesn't tend to sort of make too much desserts. But let, let's talk about the signature. Um, the challenge was a layered meringue cake. Uh, they were told to make a large cake, maybe something you would share with friends, um, and ask for at least three layers that was to be sandwiched with a filling. They were given two hours and 45 minutes. Paul said he wanted a beautiful cake with good shape and definition with peaks and something he would be excited to eat. Prue said that it could seem simple, but the danger was because it's simple, they may be tempted to overcomplicate it. So Jane, um, just talk talking more generally about this a lot of people went for something with nuts obviously not rosie who had a severe nut allergy but nuts was a, a staple of this um you you expected that or surprised by that well i think no not not especially because if somebody said to me make a layer meringue layered meringue cake as opposed to a pavlova i would think yeah hazel, lovely hazelnut layered meringues always delicious so i'm not at all surprised by the the nut element um i think it was a really nice challenge the only thing that's not nice about the challenge is it's two hours and 45 minutes and meringue needs a slow cool down mm. in the oven um so it doesn't crack but i'm delicious i'd love to have done that challenge i think it was a really nice signature and the sort of things that signature should be there's a, you can make them at home you feel excited by them and i think this ticked all those boxes i thought it was a lovely challenge um, so howard just in, in terms of of cooking uh baking meringue give us some tips because you've got to do it at a low low lowish temperature don't you and if you don't want to some of them sort of were worried obviously about taking it out the oven for any time or opening even the oven door for too much it's quite a delicate one to, to get right yeah, some people leave leave meringues in overnight. Actually, once they've turned the the heat off, so it's it's about um, not make not shocking it, I suppose, between bringing it out of the oven and then putting it into um, a cooler temperature. What will happen is that it will crack. I mean, nine times out of ten, if you're doing it at home, it doesn't really matter if you've got a bit a few cracks in your meringue, but it's. Uh, in a competition like this, what they wanted to do is is try and give it as much of a kind of pristine appearance as possible. So, but as as Jane says, it's it's balancing those two things. How do you do that if you've only got a limited amount of time? Really, exactly. You've got to got to get it out of the oven at, at mm. some point. And then I guess the the fear here, Jane, isn't it that you sort of could have too much sort of weighing down of those fillings. And, you know, the whole thing sort of loses the definition that, that Paul had been so keen on having. Yes, and Paul loves meringue. He absolutely loves it. It was We did we made um, pavlovas in the final of my year and I think Paul would have eaten them all. Um, he, he just loves meringue. So it, it is definitely a challenge for him. Yes, it, it is a worry that the fillings are too heavy and weigh it all down. But I think one of the nice things about meringue is when you it is softened slightly. Um, the problem in the tent is you make it, you assemble it, you go off, you have lunch, they clean the tent down, and then you come back for judging. You know, there is a gap mm. in between you filling those and then them eating it. So they've got to be robust enough that they will stand up for that hour, hour and a half um, before they're judged. And actually, excuse me what you could do is you could afford to dry them out if you had the time a little bit more so they would have softened by the time the judges came to eat them tricky challenge but with all the challenges the time is the same for everybody so there's no point in whinging about it you, you you're all on a level playing field um and i think they all produced good meringue in the time Henry in the in the feedback he was was given by Paul um was accused of not making his own raspberry jam yeah that's quite a strange moment <laughs> Henry was affronted uh, the mm. idea that he wouldn't Rocky have made his own so. jam well so he should be he would be, because she actually you're supposed to make most of your own stuff I mean in our year in yeah. my day um we had to make our own fondant icing we had to make our own cutters we weren't allowed to use shop bought cutters actually quite a lot of people certainly from dairy week I noticed were pressing thing into molds oh that wouldn't have been allowed so 
definitely, definitely wouldn't have been permitted not to make your own jam. So I can see why Henry would have been fronted. A nice, smart young man like that would have made his own jam. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A nice, a nice, smart man with a tie. Um, well, yeah, he, he, he had this sort of towering meringue, uh, you know, crammed with pistachio meringue, a chocolate creme pat, fresh raspberries. Paul did say that uh, the texture was great and, uh, and did like that raspberry jam that it did turn out Henry Henry made. Howard, which, which of these others, uh, you know, leapt out to you? Steph had to eat a mess. Rosie had these... You know, beautiful layers of lime and, and raspberry. Alice went for black forest meringue. David had this spice meringue surprise. Priya, her family favourite with her almond uh, d'aqua blueberry creme bear. And finally, Michael went for a dark chocolate meringue cake. Who who, who sort of let, got you leaping out your seat, if you indeed you ever do leap out your seat while watching Bake Off? <laughs> I, I, I thought I did like the look of, of David's, and I think it was a, a shame that he'd probably over spice that meringue because it did look absolutely beautiful i also i i wasn't i wasn't so kind of affronted by that kind of mauve color of um i think it was prius mm. wasn't it i thought that looked pretty actually maybe it doesn't translate as well uh maybe it translates better on tv than it did in reality but um, yeah, Paul. Paul had said Prius didn't look appetising and yeah. should overbake the meringue. Prue was uh, very blunt uh, for Prue. The colour was horrible. She didn't like this mauve uh, colour and thought the amaretto was perhaps uh, too much. Yeah. I, I was wondering because you sort of saw this scene where Paul had gone over to Priya and made such a big thing about her timing because we, you know, it's been a recurring theme of, of the series Priya's inability to, to get her timing quite right. But I enjoyed Priya's almost self congratulations at, at being able to get this uh, pretty much finished. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it is an achievement. I remember, um, I think it was um, kind of week five for me when I actually got something. No, I, I, I think I had got a couple of bakes before that where I'd got them in ahead of uh, the deadline. And most of the others, I was right up against the wire. And I think you do feel a sense of achievement when it, if you've got a bit of a reputation for overrunning or for for not finishing stuff off as as well as you want it to be, uh, when you actually do it, it is an achievement. Jane, just uh, briefly on on Steph, obviously coming into to this week on the back of two star bakers, and she got off to a great start, you know, with this white chocolate cheese, caramelized pistachio spikes. So Paul Paul said it looked beautiful, professional, uh, and tasted and looked lovely. Possibly just too much nuts, and and Prue was equally uh, positive and said this really was a, a celebration cake. Well, I think it looked beautiful, I and mean, Steph always manages to come up with with something um, that looks and sounds delicious. Maybe too many nuts. It's supposed to be a meringue cake, so maybe she did put too many nuts in, but um, I thought it looked stunning. I thought Alice's looked stunning. I thought with that clever, pretty um, meringue handle, it, it looked great. Um, and, and going back to Priya's... Priya had said something about blue. Well, I didn't think it looked blue. I thought it looked lilac-y. Mm. And I thought it looked a pretty colour. I'm not quite sure. Sometimes things can look a bit grey when it's a light, you know, you're trying to make it look purple. But I don't know what the fuss was about there. I thought it looked very pretty. I thought she got a hard I thought she got a hard time of it. Mm. I thought David's looked amazing. I didn't think Henry's towered. No, he, he did, did call, he he, after he'd given it the big title of Henry's Towering Meringue. Um, it didn't, didn't quite have the do towering. it me. Sorry, Harry, Henry. Howard, what did you make? I mean, in Michael, um, there was an unusual moment where he almost gave his own feedback. Paul was cutting into his, and even before Paul had had a moment to, to give his opinion, um, Michael had sort of said, oh, too much chocolate on the outside. Mm. It's un- unusual to sort of give Paul, Paul, Paul a reason to have almost a, a negative um, thought towards it, or do you think it's just you couldn't almost help yourself say it in disappointment? I don't know. I think I think sometimes I can think of certain characters in in the Bake Off tent um, previously, and sometimes people find it comforting to actually be first in there with the criticism mm. of their own bake. Just uh, you know, it's oh, I know, I know, it's I know this is going to be bad. I know this is going to be you know the chocolate's going to be too thick or whatever. And it, I suppose some people can't help themselves in, in pointing that out. I tended to be the the kind of person who would just keep quiet and see whether they know it. <laughs> and they but always do. They, they do. <laughs> and then, do. then you admit to it. But I think I, I, I don't know whether it's just like a, a coping mechanism yeah. to sort of 
preempt what they might pick up as as criticism, really. Okay, well, let's have a look back at the technical challenge, which this week was to make six identical, perfectly layered verines. Layered desserts in a glass, of course, and the instruction was that we'd have a layer of a mango compete creamy coconut panna cotta, fresh raspberry jelly topped with a coconut and lime streusel and a short sublet biscuit. Uh, they were given two and a half hours to do this and Prue said it was all about the detail and about getting the measurements right. They must remember to chill between each layers and get the measurements right between all of these uh, various layers. So loads of things to, to talk about here. I mean, essentially, they, they, they were going to look pretty beautiful and some of them ended up doing a great job. But what did you think... Howard, I know you've mentioned sometimes these voiceovers that Noel has done, but he said after a disappointing signature challenge, the bakers now face one of the most complex technical challenge the Bake Off has ever seen. <laughs> How difficult is this, and is that a fair build-up from Noel Howard? It, it was complex. I, I don't. I mean, it's how can you know if it's one of the most uh, complex technical challenges the Bake Off has ever seen? And I do think, as Jane was saying, that there seem to be. A bit of a build-up. We we were watching it and sort of thinking, you know, they've all done pretty well in that signature. Not not too bad at all. And then we, it's announced to us that actually they've, it, done they've been disappointed. And I think Prue later on said um, they started so badly with the meringues that I was despairing. But anyway, they pulled themselves up. It's like, yes, did she, they really start so badly? It seemed almost the, the commentary that was decided upon after was more negative than what we'd seen. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Yes, I agree. I, I, I think, uh, again, it, it's it's about building in a bit of probably tension, a bit of drama. But I didn't think that, that they'd done so badly in the in the signature. Jane, the, the challenge here, of course, is about making sure that the layers all all set. And you know, we were warned that if the panna cotta isn't set, the raspberry jelly will fall straight through it. It, it did make for quite dramatic viewing at points, didn't it? It was sort of built up heavily to to see, or oh, you know, are the layers going to all be defined? And in the end, they they largely were. Well, I thought I thought they were. I did look up verines. I'd never heard that um, expression before. I did look it up, and and quite honestly, all the bakers produced better verines than I could find um, uh, on the internet. This challenge again, I, it was lovely, and I would have liked to have eaten it. It sounded delicious, didn't it? A, man- a mango compote at the bottom, um, a lovely coconut panna cotta. Um, Fresh raspberry jelly, delicious. But they had two hours, two and a half hours, and each layer had to set. Mm. Now, last year, I think it was last year, they were talking about doing gelatin desserts, and it was you can chill gelatin for gelatin dessert for half an hour. If you try and freeze it, it breaks the gelatin down and it will never set. Okay, so how are they going to get? Three layers of stuff set in two hours and 45 minutes if you can't shove it in the freezer and 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 blast it. So as as lovely as the challenge is, and I, I would have quite liked the challenge, but give them just a fraction more time. Because this almost sort of plays in something we've probably touched on before, that you do want to feel like it's a challenge for the best bakers and, and just give them enough time to show that they are the best bakers. Um, and yeah, just two and a half hours here. You know what? What leapt out to you, Howard? Because we did see sort of moments where, you know, Priya's sort of raspberry went through to towards the panna cotta. Uh, there was a strange moment I thought at the end where Alice, you know, in the last couple of moments, or it seemed like the last couple of moments, her biscuits didn't seem to fit. But then when we saw them presented and and given for um, judging, they they had seemed to fit. I don't know how she managed to solve that in the last no, couple of minutes. I don't, and I don't know how they managed to actually carry it from their their workstations to the front it just seemed a bit silly why why you couldn't have put the biscuits on when you'd actually got it to the table would have would have seemed a much more sensible idea i can only think that what what alice had done is slightly balanced it off center so rather than it being completely over the uh over the rim that that she'd actually supported it on um well, you can't have a side to a, a circle, can you? But but put it slightly. We know what yes, you I know what you mean. Yeah. Yes, off. Yes, off the on the edge. I did enjoy Michael's referencing how important it was to get his numbers right, and then being totally unsure whether he should be dividing forty by three or forty by by six. It was clear that he wasn't a numbers man. Coming on to to the feedback, then a priya sort of came a. Uh, 
uh, probably a comfortable seventh um, as it was. She was told too much streusel. The mango uh, didn't quite go and the jelly wasn't quite set. Um, the Michael six, um, Rosie fifth, Henry fourth. It was Steph third. David, who who's done pretty well in, in technical second again. But it was Alice, Jane, who, who came first, told her texture was good, the lines were good and the flavours excellent. And just overall, yeah, her jelly set and uh, yeah, she's done well. Well, we, we have to take everybody's word for it, don't we? They they all look pretty good and you could see where the layers weren't level. I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, you don't know what the texture of that jelly or the panna cotta is as a television viewer. You just mm. have to take their word for it. Um, and generally, you know, I think there have been a couple of times then when we would disagree with their uh, critique. However, I think Alice, Alice seemed to do a very nice job um, and as I said, we just have to take the word for it. David, very neat, very good at following instructions. So I'm not at all surprised. I think it would be lovely to see him win a technical. Mm. Um, not that it did talent much good last week, but um, yeah, no, it's, it was an, it was an okay te- it was an okay technical. I just think trying to get three layers set when you've only got two hours and thirty minutes is um, pretty difficult. I'm impressed as well. Did they put? Did some people put a bit of gold leaf on it? Yes, I think end? somebody did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's like do you know? All the time I was in the Bake Off tent, it was one of my ambitions to get a bit of gold leaf on something. <laughs> and even when I went back for the Christmas special, I said I'm dying to get a bit of gold leaf on. Still ran out of time. Never, <laughs> never managed to get a bit of I gold know. leaf. On never it does. It wraps itself around your paintbrush. Yeah. <laughs> Really and I worry how that you've, you've been invited back already for the Christmas special. I don't know what the uh, maybe you know. I don't know. There'll be a fifteenth anniversary special in in five years' time or something that uh, maybe your gold leaf dreams are, are not completely uh, completely gone yet. I, hope I, it's did, not I in- did have a gold leaf nightmare once as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this week's episode of the Baked Out is in association with our friends at Seed and Bean Shop. Seed and Bean truly live on the wilder side of taste, creating adventurous, botanically inspired flavours using only 100% organic ingredients. If you head to their website at seedandbean.co.uk, you'll receive 25% off your purchase using the code THEBAKEDOWN when you check out. Well, let's move on to talking about the showstopper from uh, Dessert Week. And uh, they sit at the kitchen table, don't they, Paul and Prue, before we see any of the showstopper challenge. And, and going into it, they said that Steph and Alice were the ones looking good for Star Baker. And it was probably Michael and Priya who who needed to save themselves. And of course, by this point, we you know we know only one person is, is going each week. It's not the double eviction. So it's probably Michael and Priya, they felt, who needed to, to save themselves. The challenge this week was to make a celebratory bomb dessert and their instruction was to be moulded into a semi-spherical or fully spherical shape. Uh, They were told it should contain one baked element and two other dessert elements, such as ice cream. Um, And it must be as spectacular on the outside and uh, as the outside and the inside. They were given four hours and 30 minutes. Paul told them it meant a round dessert, build it into the mould. And it was critical to get the timing right on this. There were obviously so many layers and textures that have to set and uh, as we've spoken about so many times, the dramatic element would seemingly come from if one layer collapses, would it all collapse? Um, so would you have liked this one? It was a little bit different, quite quite good to, to watch, I felt, as a viewer. Jane, were you uh, were you in favour of the bombs desserts? Oh, yes, I, I like a bomb dessert. I thought it was a nice challenge. Um, the only thing that disappointed me is we had the technical where everybody was sitting around waiting for things to set and there was a lot of sitting around waiting for things to set in this one. I think uh, I think Michael and David, I think it was, were playing noughts and crosses waiting for everything to set. But that aside, um, yeah, a lovely, lovely dessert and I think always a joy to dish one of these up at a, when you want to show off at a supper party or something. Yeah, I think it gives them plenty of scope for really showing off and doing something stunning. Howard, we did see, as Jane just mentioned there, Michael and David sort of playing knots and crosses. I remember you saying on a previous podcast you enjoyed sometimes the moments of a, a little bit of calm in what was quite a stressful environment of being in the Bake Off tent. But did, did you ever get to play knots and crosses? Was a Connect Four? I mean, there's a limit to what you can do in the tent if you're not allowed to bring in any, any games, I'm assuming. That's right. I think there was, um, yeah, I think there was one occasion where we did did have a little bit of a break. I can't remember what the reason was. We did play charades for for, for a while. Charades. Charades. 
<laughs> it was after. It was after. Uh, not, I think we were waiting for judging. I think that's oh, what so not during a challenge. No, not during. Like the other Mel and Sue were playing charades in the. Oh yeah, Mel and Sue were yeah. playing along too. But it was uh, no, it was. Uh, it's lovely to have those moments, but I think they're just so rare. Uh-huh. I don't know how how people uh, can do that actually within a a challenge. Well, Steph said just that, didn't she? She said, "I can't understand why people haven't got anything to do," and she seemed to keep herself really busy mm-hmm. the whole time. She absolutely did. Well, the the one that was sort of clearly a little bit different, or it, it seemed to be, was was Henry's approach, Jane, that he was going to freeze all the layers at once and he was trying to put the mousse in. And Prue even was the one that, that exclaimed that she thought it was very clever, almost like she was learning potentially something. Just to explain to us what exactly was happening there, because it seemed to be that he was going to replace the cardboard they'd put in with his cinnamon meringue later on. Well, what he did was cleverly he had a bowl the same size as the bowl that he was making his bomb in and then he made his mousses and separated them with a piece of cardboard I sincerely hope covered in cling well not cling film but or or maybe covered in something maybe it was baking parchment or something Mm. um, so that he set them in the order that he was then going to put them into his bomb and set them all together and then at one point you found him trying to find the cardboard so that he could take it off at the right right spot. But I thought, I thought it was ingenious. I, I, it is really difficult in a short space of time, and with four hours and thirty minutes, sounds like a long time. But in in, in a short space of time to do this, and um, that he'd come up with an ingenious way of of solving what was a problem. It's nice to see something a bit different, isn't it, Howard? A different approach. Clever idea. You know, to to do that at home. To prove something is a fairly special. I'd have thought, Howard. Yeah. No, I I think it's interesting because you're right that at home you would be able to take longer in terms of the layers actually setting, but thinking creatively about how you deal with the time limitations within the tent, um, I I thought I thought you did really well with that. Well, um, it was enjoyable certainly to to see how they all got on. Um, which which other one sort of leapt out to you here? Because there were a few really interesting ones. I thought, yeah, Rosie gone for this uh, ruby bomb, a tribute to her her mum and dad, uh, which had honeycomb and mango bavoir and lemon and hibiscus mousse, caramelised salted white chocolate. Some really interesting flavours were coming out here, Jane. Yes, I, goodness me, I lost track of some of the flavours that went into some of these bombs. I thought they were all again absolutely fantastic. You know, you had some classics. Alice's tiramisu was sort of fairly classic flavours. But on the whole, I can't pick one out as, not as a star, because I thought they were all stars in their own way. And I I thought, actually, Paul Michael, bless him, he wasn't even born in the 1970s. <laughs> I mean, was he born in the 90s? Uh, no, oh, yes, just it was, about... it was his 26th birthday, wasn't it? Oh, yes, it? he was 26. So yes. he must have so been 93. He, he was, yes, same same age as um, my my Henry. Um, and just, just to say it looked like it come off a 1970s sweet trolley, I thought was Queen Mum's hat. I mean, Actually, I don't think the Queen Mum would have worn a hat like that, but there we go. Um, I, I thought they all looked beautiful in their own way. Steph's again, fantastic. Priya's, actually, what, what were they around the outside? Were they meringues around the outside? They did look like meringues. They did look like meringues. Yeah, I'm not sure they said yeah. what they were, but I thought that was a clever idea for going around the outside. David's... Well, he went for this sorbet, didn't he? Yeah, I'm not sure I'd have gone for a sorbet, not for any reason other than I'd have really worried it would have melted. Uh, but... It, he said at one point, what did he call it? He said it looked like a cabbage. I didn't think it looked like a cabbage. I thought it looked more like a pine cone, but mm. it was supposed to look like a rose. Mm. But I thought it looked stunning. Um, Rosie's, Rosie's, I, found, I thought, looked stunning, but was a little bright for me. And on the other opposite end of the spectrum, Henry's looked a little beige, mm. maybe. But that's being ultra critical. I think they all did a stunning job. Howard, um, th- there was a uh, an enjoyable moment potentially when we saw Alice desperately struggling to get her what seemed sort of rather frozen out of the mould, um, and it seemed to—I mean, it, they went back and forth and back and forth to to see whether Alice was eventually going to get this out, um, and that she was sort of really struggling. But I couldn't quite wonder if that was actually just for the drama, because I wonder how long it really took yeah, her to get out, because she think... never seemed that stressed. <laughs> I think you've said this on on a previous podcast, haven't you? Whereas 
where you don't get a sense of perhaps what time within yeah. the game uh, this this happened. So it could have been that it actually took her about a minute to get out, <laughs> uh, or it could have been that it was 15 minutes well, it to looked, get out. The, Who knows, you know. The uh, way it was filmed made it feel like 15 minutes yeah, at least, yeah. uh, but then you'd have thought there'd be a, a lot more stress uh, going on there. Well, yeah, some of the feedback was, it was certainly mixed. I mean, you, you, Jane, you're, of course, a big fan of Henry. The feedback he got well, it was wasn't too kind. Paul has said it was a bit bland and it, you know, it needed something else. He only really got the cinnamon uh, and Prue said that it, you know, it was a bit tough and, and stodgy and, and used that terrible word of disappointing, mm. which makes you feel like you've let her down. Mm, yeah, it was, you, you hate it when, when it's, some of these disappointed me used to hate disappointing Mary. I, actually, something that did occur to me, Prue in, in some of the earlier series used to say things that weren't worth the calories. She doesn't say that anymore. So disappointing <laughs> is a new... That's slightly um, kinder. Uh, I think it's slightly kinder than not worth the calories. But actually, I've noticed she hasn't said that at all this series, which I'm very glad about, really. But, yeah, I, I do love Henry, but it, it was it was disappointing. It was beige on the outside and beige on the inside and and I think one of them said they were hunting the apple mm. and it was a bit bland I I don't think it was his best performance I don't think no I don't think it I don't think it was and Jane obviously Steph coming into this as star baker in the previous two weeks what did you make of, of her approach this week in the showstopper I thought her, her bomb was stunning and to actually risk doing a mirror glaze, I thought was was pretty brave. She had, I'm not quite sure what it was, was it sort of nougatine or something, that nut brittle type stuff she put around the outside. Um, and her bavar was set, I think, what is it? Somebody said, one of the best things I've had to eat for a long time. Yeah, that Paul was Paul, said. Paul, yeah. Howard, what did you make of, it almost looked like Paul put his hand and took it back. He was sort of dangling his hand mm. as if he was tempted to put it out for a handshake and it didn't quite happen. It is, it is tempting, isn't it? Because I think we've, we've said previously about handshakes, they used to be reserved only for signature baits and it wasn't until Rahul last year that one was given during a, a showstopper. So I think he was probably thinking, should I, shouldn't I? Because otherwise, um, well, he's already set a precedent, hasn't he? So, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered. No, but uh, I think maybe this year he's not giving quite so many handshakes because he did come under a bit of criticism for doling them out like smarties. Yeah. Well, Howard, six weeks in, um, it can't be easy to find a hump in every episode, but I wonder if you managed to find something from uh, Dessert Week. I've got a couple of humps, actually. That's a relief. Oh, I have you? <laughs> So give us the first one. The first one is, it's just a personal thing. I don't know how, what is that stuff? Is it Bavarois or Bavoir? I was hoping you'd be uh, clearer on this than me. Because it's written Bavoir, but everybody pronounces it Bavoir. So I I, I just put it out there that I would love to know how, what the correct pronunciation is. It it annoys me every week when somebody says... uh, creme patisserie instead of creme patissiere and it's like I'm, I think I'm turning into a real pedant on, on certain things but the other thing that, that's that's bugging me a bit is oh my goodness haven't we had a lot of sweet stuff it's like I think apart from the, the veggie burgers and uh, the <laughs> fact that people could make the tear and share bread um, savoury that actually every other bake has been sweet so far and I just think Oh, this is what this is why in dessert week sometimes I just want a cheese board because it's it's like there's so much sweet mm. stuff. I'm just ready for a bit of savoury. Okay, so you're hoping that the savoury weeks to come. Yes, <laughs> some savoury week. And so it's time for Judge Jane. This is where we find out if Jane agrees with the decision as to who was made star baker. And having been star baker in weeks four and five, Steph made it a hat trick that only the second person in Bake Off history to do this after Richard Burr did it all the way back in weeks seven, eight and nine of series five. So an incredibly impressive feat, Jane. And uh, do you think she deserved it? I'm not 100% sure. I mean, Steph is really, really strong and had three good bakes. I actually thought that Alice had pipped her to the post this week. But huge congratulations to Steph. She's so consistent but, you know, she was third in the technical. But her bomb, I thought, was fantastic. 
and probably just pipped it for her. But her eaten mess, just the slight criticism of too many nuts. So I'm delighted she's drawn even with Richard, who is one of my great Bake Off heroes. In fairness, we don't taste it here. We just watch. So the the judges obviously know that her stuff was really delicious. Well done, Steph. Yeah, well done, Steph. Of course, Richard got five star bakers during that series. All five so smarty pants. Steph, is, Steph is well on the way to uh, to chasing him down. After last week's double eviction, there was only going to be one person leaving the tent for the rest of the competition. Prue and Paul had said that Priya, Michael, Henry and Rosie were all in trouble. But in the end, Jane, it was Priya that left the tent. Mm, I, I think Priya has been on a little bit of borrowed time over the last two or three weeks, but I don't think this was her worst week. I thought she had some unfair criticism for her meringue cake. I thought it looked very pretty. The mauve or the purple didn't offend me in the slightest. Didn't do too well in the technical, came came bottom in the technical, which seems to have a big influence. But I thought her bomb was, was very pretty. So, yeah, I didn't think that actually she was the one that would be going this week so it caught me by surprise a little so unbelievably six weeks have passed already in the bake-off tent it means we've only got four weeks left of the current series but we've loved doing this podcast and thank you for all your kind feedback that has been coming in do please keep continuing to tell all your friends about the Bake Down podcast. If you're kind enough to leave a review, we'd hugely appreciate it wherever you do listen to your podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so at the Bakedown at bakewithalegend.com or tweet us at bakewithalegend. We want to hear your questions for Howard and for Jane. And if you've got a story about meeting someone from Bake Off, we want to hear it. So do get in touch. Meanwhile, we'll be back next week and we look forward to seeing you then. You just heard a stripped media production. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.